Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver. And our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Now joining us is uh, Marlon Marinick. Um, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks, Al. So um, let's let's tell people a little bit about yourself. So uh, who is Marlon? So I, I'm a. <laughs> it's kind of I've never been asked that directly to say in a few sentences, but basically um, I'm kind of known, I guess, to people a little bit because I wrote a book um, with Charles Manson called Charles Manson Now. Um, I work in psychiatry. I'm part of a crisis response team in my city, so that's kind of where I come through from. I've been doing that for over 20 years. Um, I just found the guy fascinating, and he kind of called me out of nowhere one day, and that, that was kind of the start of a crazy adventure, which is still going on. So, so when he, so he called you out of the blue. Mm-hmm. We we had a mutual friend. I was doing some film stuff with. Uh, with um, his name was Donald Taylor, and he was trying to self-publish a book. Um, we called One Gay Man, and he had all these exploits with all of these. People like James Dean, uh, Duke of Windsor, Charles Manson, that was one of the people in his book. And uh, Charlie had kept in touch with him since before the murders. And, the, and I was on eBay one day, and I collect weird and odd things. And some guy was selling some of James Dean's hair, um, a shirt that belonged to Elvis, and a bunch of Charles Manson letters. And so I emailed the guy, and I'm like, how do, how do you acquire this stuff, right? And he sent me his phone number, and we... We became friends, and he's a totally eccentric, odd dude. But him and him and Manson knew each other, and from that, working with him, um, Charlie found out that he had this Canadian connection that was um, involved in film, and that was me. 
and he wanted to do this final interview. He wasn't, this is probably about seven or eight years ago. He wasn't feeling great at the time. He wanted to make some money, and he thought, like, this interview would be a big thing. So he called and asked if I could dress up like a soldier, and he'd be a general, and we'd do this interview. Um, I said, yeah, I can get behind that. I could do that. And the California prison system just wouldn't allow it to happen, so he never did get his final interview. And we, we tried. The BBC was pretty close to doing something, and, and in the end that kind of dropped off, and it just it never happened. But we um, kept in touch and became friends, and eventually I met with him, and, and that, that all of that turned into a book. Wow. Uh, you know, but I was just trying to think, like, so where you were when the phone call came, and did you really believe it was Manson? That, that, I, I was by myself, which is kind of weird because I, I had a had a roommate at the time, and, and um, he uh, it's unmistakable once you hear him. He's, it's, you know, immediately we were talking to him. He's kind of timeless, right? He's got that language where only he can speak it, Mansonese or whatever, as Shrek calls it. And uh, it was kind of like, uh, it was a weird interview. He wanted to know about life in Canada, how I lived, what I did, and, and he um, asked my thoughts on insects. I remember that because I thought that was really weird, and I told him I liked spiders and crickets, and, and yeah. he, he was... <laughs> so. And then uh, about an hour after the call, I got a call from his assistant, I guess, or his friend, Grey Wolf, and, and that, that was kind of... Then we started um, figuring out how to get this interview in place. Wow. Or so try, to, try to do that. His intention was just to, to give kind of a big final interview. So, um, yeah. What, so that was m most of the conversations. So people that don't know, you uh, you uh, basically um, recorded uh, conversations that you had with him um, over the phone. Yeah, I, I, I missed a lot of the early um, conversations because I wasn't thinking to record them and I didn't. And then he, he suggested I do that because he's history, you know, and, and that's his words. Uh, so eventually I, I started recording them, and then when I met with him, was it was probably a year after talking on the phone, and he hadn't seen anybody for two or three years. He doesn't really see people. And so it was quite the, the first time I went out to meet with him, the prison wouldn't allow me through because they thought I had forged documents, and, and they couldn't believe that he was having a visitor or whatever. So I came back four months later and, had approval by the warden and everything was lined up. And when I went in to meet him, he just, um, he's just still focused on this interview. And I said, well, what about doing a book? And he says, like, that's bullshit. There's like over 400 books on me. <laughs> and actually, that's probably the right number. It's probably around there. There's a lot of Manson books and everybody's been associated with him. And so the, the idea um, was that he wanted to do an exclusive kind of a book. He wanted, he wanted me to be his biographer, and, and he wanted um, he needed six hours to, to get everything he wanted to do, and he'd figure out how to get that to me, right? And so I don't know if you remember in the media when he was getting caught with cell phones and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of around that. So prison calls are re recorded, and he never felt that um, – he, he really could say what he wanted to say, and and so in the end, he just said, "Well, you have to use, you know, you have to write about yourself. You have to write about you, and you can, you know, use those phone calls." So that that's that's what he used in the book, and that's kind of his dialogue. And it, it's it's to me, it's like we can't figure each other out. Like he can't figure out how 
someone can hold a job and be responsible and I can't figure out how you can live in a prison, right? So right, right. a lot of my experience was with him was him trying to educate me about the prison system, how he grew up, how he ended up the way he is, his childhood, a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I, I really, I was over my head with the murders and, and that whole rabbit hole, so it, I just kind of worked with him as a person and, and tried to figure out how, you know, what, what, why is this guy so relevant? How, why is this guy so influential, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I could imagine, you know, if he called and then wanted to do this project, uh, whereabouts, what, what's the first thing you say to someone like that? Or what's the first thing you ask them? You know? Yeah, well, I I was I wasn't expecting that, and and I know everyone thinks he's a master manipulator and all that kind of kind of thing. And but it, from my end, I I thought like, holy shit, this is this is my boogeyman. Like when I was a kid, I found a beat up copy of Helter Skelter. It was like we were we used to play in abandoned houses and stuff, and I remember finding it in the basement, and that scared the hell out of me when I was like eight or nine. You know, I, I couldn't understand the content, but I remember those eyes and. Then when you get into psychiatry, you, you kind of follow him. You see his parole hearings. You see the Geraldo interviews. You start hearing clips in his music, and you start, you know, he, he gets pretty worldly. You start learning about the guy. But I never in a million years thought I'd ever, you know, sit down with the guy and talk about the doors or whatever, you know. It was like I, I never I, – I think if you planned that with him, it, it would go south, and there's, it doesn't – it wouldn't happen. Yeah, it wouldn't be real, and he would pick it up. I, so – what did what did you? How do I say this? What what surprised you? Like when you're talking to him about things, was there anything that sort of caught you off guard? Like, oh my God, that's the last thing I think Manson would. Well, do. You, you know how the people who do like high, like really tense jobs, like surgeons or police or you know EMTs, and there's kind of like cop humor or, or prison humor is a lot more graphic. Like, yeah. holy man. <laughs> He he is the most direct person I've ever met, you know, and the most complex. Like if he has a problem with you, he lets you know that, right? Yeah. And and time is different for him. Like the, I think the one thing I found the most fascinating was he spent. He would tell you like eighty percent of his life in prison. He he would count like foster care and and boys' homes and all those kind of things as being prison as well. And sixty percent of that time was in solitary confinement. You know, and and most of that is self-imposed because he can't deal with people, and so just the uh, idea of the way he lives in his head so much, and he has this inner world. And I know when obviously he has some mental health problems or concerns, you could say. And I, I want to, I have to be careful in how I word that, but yeah. he um, he's been through a lot of trauma and, and seen a lot of stuff, you know, and and living in that environment and that violence and how he how he kind of made it through all of that is it's it's pretty amazing. You know, the guy's a total survivor. Obviously. I mean, he he went through, well, I, you know, I can't even say, but it's just amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Did he talk about his family ever? Like his Yeah, it, it, and, and that it's like that with everyone in his life. He has a love-hate thing, you know. I hear from people that he, I actually got a letter from him once, and and he wrote that. I'm the stupidest person he's ever met. How can I even stay, you know, stay alive one day being as retarded as I am? And it was just a scathing, you know. And it's just kind of weird that this guy gets thousands of letters a week and he takes the time to, you know, tell me how stupid I am. And then when he called, it's like, I got your letter. And 
it just turned out someone said something and and you know you apologize for it and the way he apologizes which is a little different but it, it it's kind of like that people play him and people try to get favors and there's a whole industry around him you know uh, the one thing i thought was kind of weird um see he he always ex- tries to explain the prison world and i try to explain what it is out here to him the way we live is extremely fast you know he can't he can't relate to the pace. Every time he got out of jail, he just said it doubled or tripled, and it's just too crazy. He, he never really wanted to come out. And when you, I asked him, like, directly, what would you do, you know, and everyone thinks he'd have this, you know, he, he just said he'd sit down and look around for a while, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good answer, you know. And and so things changed a lot in technology, and, and um, the one thing, like, we're, we're working on this interview, and he got a flat-screen TV, like that became a prison issue, and... So he tried to send me his old TV, and it, I don't know what happened. I never got it. <laughs> but he the the he thought that he saw on TV, like Skype or something like that, where you can talk on your TV to someone else, and they could, could communicate with you back and forth, right? Yeah. And he was adamant that I could do this because I have a flat-screen TV as well, and I have to figure out the technology, and, and he would just go on rants about this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was in a visit, and... There's a guard that walked by, and he's like, see that guy? And I'm like, yeah, and he goes, oh, that asshole or whatever. He's, yeah. oh, he's mocking me all the time, right? And I'm like, well, what is he mocking you about? And the guy's always holding up his phone to Charlie because he's got a cell phone, and Charlie doesn't have one. Oh. I told him, well, he's taking pictures of you, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, that, it just doesn't occur to him, you know? Right. Well, I, I, mm-hmm. I could imagine. Think about how much the world's changed. Oh, unbelievable. And, and he doesn't, and it's like, um, I've read. He sent me a bunch of his fan mail, so I've read the content of what you know. And and everybody wants something from him. They're like students doing papers, and or they send him ten dollars, and can he sign a receipt for them, or <laughs> trying to get autographs, and you know. Yeah. And so he, the way he would screen people and and all that kind of stuff is pretty amazing. And 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 if he doesn't work, um, like when you think of celebrity, which he is, he doesn't carry himself that way at all. Yeah. Oh, that's just that's fascinating. So, um, did now did he talk about the? Um, he didn't really talk about the crimes that much. Well, uh, we had one fight, like a pretty good. I did an interview somewhere, and and I was kind of asked like, well, like it, everyone kind of agrees that he knew it was going to happen or something could happen, right? And in my world, if if you know there's going to be violence on that level and you do nothing to prevent it, you have to be accountable in some way. Like, I don't know if you would agree to that or not. Oh, for sure. And Charlie's adamant that's not the case. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, you know? Right. And so, philosophically, I can't really relate to where he is, and, and you know, and, and, and when you talk about morals and stuff is a big thing, and being righteousness, and, and you know, and when when the book came out, his he was in the hole at the time, and the person in the cell next to him read the whole thing to him, right? Yeah. And his response was that he, he couldn't believe that he didn't exploit certain things. And, like, well, why Why would, you know? Like, he just assumed that's what people do because that's what happens to him all the time. Well, that would be kind of what, if, you know, if he regularly had that hap- happen to him for so many years, mm-hmm. that's, that's just, yeah. you know, that's what he expects. Um, so but but, but then when you, you you start dealing with like top tier media people like your Dr. Phil's and all your TMZs and yeah. Inside Editions and all that those, those people are like yeah. it's it vultures man it's 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 unbelievable yeah, you know there's not a whole lot of ethics no it's and, and, real bad 
when you get up there. And, and as you, we kind of talked about just before we went on air, the whole funeral thing. And like I know all those parties, everyone involved, and who's fighting to do what's right for with the remains of Charles Manson, and and it's it's a circus, you know. I, I I can see why the public is interested, and it's 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 kind of sad and pathetic that it's come to that, you know. Like it's yeah. crazy. Well, what do you think? Um, in the sense, so if, if if he talked to you, did he ever talk to you about the three people, like his kid and grandkid and and his pen pal on who he liked or didn't like? Did he ever sort of get into? But yeah, like uh, Matthew Roberts, I, I still consider him a good friend. Uh, you know, every time I've been to California, he's taken me out, and we've done a lot of stuff together. And I, I really like the guy, but it's he's not Charlie's son, and he knows that, right? And 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 so I don't know why they're going forward with this this fake documentation saying this is his will like that 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 never happened you know, yeah. and um, his grandson I, I've spoken to on the phone he's he's he really means well and everything but I I just wish him and channels would get together and and do that media free you know and just keep they can I'm sure they can figure their differences out and compromise and do it you know yeah. but. Um, the will that Michael Channels has, or whatever is, you know, that's Charlie's writing and his direction, and it's it's a hundred percent authentic, you know, as far as I can tell, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm sort of confused on what they want anyway. So what? I mean, you know, he's dead, and so mm-hmm. they haven't cremated him. So, but, so what? <laughs> what I'm saying is, what? No matter who wins. Well, you're gonna. He's gonna get burned, I guess, or buried, or whatever. So what? Yeah, the, I think that the interesting thing about the whole Manson mystique is that he's becoming an outlaw and kind of a poet and kind of a sage or a, a shaman to a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of artists and people cling on to different parts and the whole innocence thing and free charge. You know, it's. it's so I, I think that imagery. If, if he he never he doesn't get paid anything. Everyone just totally rips him off all the time. You know, even when he was alive, it's like they they use his image and his voice and and to sell everything. Like you know, I, I have like four or five band shirts with him on them. That you know, <laughs> that's just before I was doing. That just you know, that just kind of happens. Just to go to shows and pick stuff up. You know, he, he's that relevant. He's kind of all over the place. So so I think owning that copyright's the big thing. You know, and control of his music is another thing. Right. And when you, you want to tell. Um, What's kind of fascinating, and he thought the main interest that I had in him was his music, and and he knew like like Mama Cass wanted to testify at the funeral for him, or sorry, at the funeral, or at his at his hearing when he was you know, going on trial, and Neil Young gave him a motorcycle, and he was friends with like everybody, you know. Yeah. So I, I'd name these people like Hollywood Jim Morrison. He's always a good kid, and you know, when he told me. When he was in prison, he thought like guys like Bing Crosby were like rock stars to him. <laughs> That's what he aspired to be, you know. And right. Creepy Carpus taught him how to play guitar. Um, he was a member of the Ma Barker gang, right? Yeah. And and so he kind of had the basics down. He understood how to structure a song and how to play. And he wanted to. That's what he was going to do. And the prison staff encouraged him. Everyone thought he had this ability. And he said he got out and he went to. Um, I think it was the whiskey, and he saw the Grateful Dead play, and and he just threw his guitar away. He couldn't, you know, he, he couldn't believe that that's what it evolved into, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and yeah, people are trying to use 
so much about him. But why did why do you think it sells so well? Like what 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 is it about his image? Because it's not it's not like an image. Like you don't look at Charlie Manson and go, he's a good looking guy. He's you know, or you don't look at him and go, he doesn't. He represents to me, you know, the Sharon Tate killings. That that's what I see when I see him. I just think about yeah. See, he, I think he hits on every level. Like he's an, you have the true crime thing, obviously, and the mystery behind that, and the mind control, and the cult, and the hippie cult leader thing. You also have the music, and then you have the art that he does. He does a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. Like he, we're we're in a visit, and and he's tapping on his table. Like he's always fidgety all the all the time. He's got his back against the wall, and he's he's pretty paranoid, you know. So he's tapping away, and, and he has an obvious sense of rhythm. And, and you don't just have that. It's it's a developed thing, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, do you ever play drums? And he's like, well, yeah, like San Quentin, four years in the hole. And and he would lower and higher the water in his toilet to get different pitches, and, and he would use those as, as drums, you know? Yeah. He Somehow he got an old toilet seat and, and found some string or wire, and he was able to, like, kind of tune, like, a weird harp guitar thing, you know? But... He, so that, that all of that kind of stuff, and I, I think people, if you're a loner or an outcast or whatever, I think people are naturally drawn to that because that's kind of, he's almost a poster child for that. Yeah. So, so I think it's a multi, and, and there's a mystery to it, like what really happened, right? Yeah. Now, did, did he express his hate for anybody in particular that it kind of shocked you? or? Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I, I I read an interview or something with David Allen Coe, and they, David said that um, they were in prison together, and he taught Charlie how to play some guitar. And so I asked him about that, and he went on a pretty good rant. Um, he goes on, see, the the phone system is, is kind of like a mental health line over there. They He uses them to vent, you know. And, and before I met him, he'd have a book, and he'd have, like, ra- like random numbers. And I was just a random person. He'd kind of call people until he got someone, and then, you know, because after you know him and he knows that I have a family, he knows what I do, then it's a lot more candid and more personal of a relationship, right? I don't think he was that way with many people. Like, you know, I honestly don't. I think it was he kind of knew that what people wanted stuff out and he, he didn't care. So sometimes he would call and he would, you know, be angry and sometimes he'd be really childish. And there's a lot of times where he's kind of childlike, which is was kind of kind of surprising. He tantrums, you know. Yeah, but so how do you classify that? Like, what do you? And I mean that in the way of um, so you see, so you see all different faces of, of Charlie. You're seeing yeah, for you sure. know, a kid. You're seeing him aggressive, you know, tyrant, mm-hmm. you know. And then, was do you think he was? I don't want to say normal, but what do you think was wrong with him or right with him? Kind of how do you describe his personality then? Well, I asked him that. I said, okay. You see, he hated parts of what what I like what I do, especially psychiatry, right? Because for a good five or six years, they used like really heavy antipsychotics as a chemical restraint to kind of calm him down. And so he was so medicated, he couldn't really do much. He just kind of drooled, right? Mm-hmm. And the side effects on those medications are very harsh, you know. So he he always feared getting put into a psych ward or something like that because of those memories, right? He, he didn't, you know. But when you ask him what he had, he, he says everything. I'm 
ADD, FAS, head injured, schizophrenic, bipolar, <laughs> you know, everything. But the the, weird, the one thing he wouldn't admit to, which is still fascinating to me, is depression. Like, it, he doesn't, he never understood suicide or how anyone could do that, you know. And and he said, like, the most disturbing mail he gets is all these people saying, oh, Charlie, you're the reason I'm alive. You, you, if it wasn't for you, I would have killed myself, you know, that kind of stuff. He totally doesn't get it at all. He doesn't understand fandom. He doesn't understand why anyone would think he's in a good position or want an autograph from him. You know, he never got that. I sort of don't get it either. Uh, <laughs> and not just about him, about anybody. I mean, I really do. Yeah. I can like bands or singers or actors or writers, um, mm -hmm. just people in general for what they do. Some of them I think they do incredible. I'm, I'm amazed at what some people can do. But... I would never, I just have no desire to go wait outside their door or scream and get a, get an autograph even or nothing. Mm -hmm. just, uh, if I met someone, great, but I, mm -hmm. but I just have no hunger. But I, I, I think people get so involved with, you know, reading the books and the documentaries and, and all of that kind of stuff, they just try to take it a little bit closer. Right. It's kind of what you're doing on your, on your show, right? It's like you're... You're meeting people who are right there, who, who know the people who've, you know, yeah. <laughs> firsthand. No, it, it, you can't get much closer than that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. I just, uh, I, I, you know, but hey, each to their own. I'm, I'm happy, but wow. So, um, yeah, but that dog thing, thing is, is, oh, go ahead. It, 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 it's interesting because, uh, um, okay, so Charlie went through the prison system and he ended up in um, Vacerville. Which is and he there's a Harry Krishna guy who was chanting and him and Charlie got in a fight and and the guy ended up throwing a bunch of paint cleaner and lighting him on fire and he almost died it was like pretty bad and so they, they ended up saying like this guy is like a high profile inmate he's gonna get killed because you know that's all the other inmates make a name for themselves so they made this unit called PHU and that's where he was housed when I met him and that it's like a celebrity inmate um, unit. And it's, it's low-key. There's, like, always less than 20 people. I think there's, like, 14 or so when I was out there. And it's people like Sirhan Sirhan, um, Oren Corona, who's a serial killer, all these guys who these deviant sex offender people who people, you know, write books about. Um, the guy who killed Bill Cosby's son was out there. So they, it was a little different of an environment because he kind of had free reign. They let him do crafts. They let him have a guitar, you know. So he ha it was, like... You know, but he was protected because no one's gonna, you know. Right. But but he he totally lived by this old school prison code. You know, that's you know, that's everything to him. And he kind of left with that code. Like he's, he'll tell you he's got all these. He's going with all of his secrets. You know. Yeah. What well, what kind of secrets do you think he really had, or or did he? Well, I asked him directly, like. Did you know what was going to happen? Like the whole, basically, um, I think this needs a little explaining. So he he tells me that he wasn't there a whole lot. He wasn't no leader. He said he was a follower. Like he he got out of prison and it was this hate Ashbury, middle of the hippie movement, and and he's knows how to read people. He knows how to work people. Absolutely, he was a pimp. He's done all of that shit. You know, he knows how to survive prison, right? So he's not stupid. He knows he knows how to do all of that. And so all of a sudden, it's like, here's all this, you know, he's looking for, like, an underpass or something to sleep under. 
And these kids said, hey, man, come stay with us. He's like, what? This is completely insane, you know? Because three years ago, these people would have been terrified of him, and that would have never happened. But now now there's a movement. And so so he fell into the, the, the timing was perfect to happen, you know? And I think when... He, I think he felt some level of responsibility, like this is kind of what I get talking with him. And when things were getting stupid and he thinks he needs to go, there's a, this pending race war and it's disputable whether or not he actually liked to, you know, he said he didn't like the, the Beatles, but if he's, the White Album's talking to him and he thinks he needs to dig this hole underground, like to me, that's a guy having a nervous breakdown or a psychotic break, you know. Right. That's... Like it does, I don't see no mastermindery behind any of that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, and, and I think once it started collapsing, and then you got to remember all these people are opportunists. Like I, I talked to people from back then, and, and they said like the hippie movement maybe six to eight months, and after that it was all exploitive and all opportunistic, and you know. Because now all these people are flocking from all over America and Canada too. They're all, you know, trying to this idolized lifestyle, which is very easy to be victimized in. You know, there's all kinds of 
overdoses and murders and rapes, and it, it's just crazy. Yeah, and he was only one of many families back then, too, as you want to call them, like people just living in a bus or moving around. Yeah. You know, that he was, they weren't the only people doing that. No, and I think he had like three buses or something over the, over the years. But back to all of that lifestyle, right? So you have essentially groupies and stuff is an, are a new thing, right? So there's rock stars and there's groupies and, and hangers-on, and, and that that's kind of California in the, the late 60s. And so Charlie knew how to work and exploit that, and, and he knew, like, okay, guys go where girls are and girls are power, and, and eventually he ended up with, with Wilson and all of that kind of happened, and he started trying to record a record and stuff. And what he told me about all of that is when he recorded, he would bring in everybody, and he thought they could capture something live and memorable. He didn't understand takes and redoing things at all, you know. And so any engineer is going to just be frustrated as hell working with them. You, you can't work with them, really, you know. And so, so all of that kind of fell apart. But all these girls and stuff, they're also, you know, they're partying with all these celebrities and, and actors and Hollywood is convoluting with all of these people and all of these drugs are flowing around and all of this stupidity. And then you have this guy, Polanski, who all of a sudden he gets a thing called a VCR, which is like state-of-the-art. It never existed before, right? Mm-hmm. You could make, like, home movies and you could, um, they could watch them. And so there's all kinds of weird, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I've heard some of the films that are apparently out there that exist or whatever. And when I talked to Charlie about that stuff, he said he'd, like, yeah, he knew all of them. Sharon Tate was his friend. He used to go into this pool all the time, you know. He said that was his backyard. And so now it's like, okay, so all these guys know each other. That's kind of not at all what I thought. Right. And you start going into that a little bit and talking to people, and it turns out that that was a, is a drug house, too. Like, um, Tex Watson was a drug dealer, but a very bad one. He shot people and ripped people off, and nobody wanted to do anything about it. And so he was... but. When you're, whatever you're doing, you kind of aware what your competitor or your colleagues are doing too. So they they were aware that there's a big drug deal going on, and the Tate House was going to have the shipment of stuff. And and Jay Sebring, he's a hairstylist. They called him the Candy Man. He used to go around and cut people's hair and and you know drop off drugs and stuff. Tex Watson used to have like a wig store, and so did Sebring. So they they clearly knew each other, right? Yeah. And so. I'm told that um, Tex Watson shows up over there with the girls and says, hey, guys, you know, and he's trying to schmooze them and, and he wants to be a part of this drug deal. And they just kind of don't know what to do. So they say, Tex, you got you know, come back in an hour or so. They get a plan together. They're going to be solid. He comes back and they just, like, get the hell out of here. We'll call the police. And he's kind of shocked by this, like, you know. So they go and find Charlie and they say something like, um, Charlie, this should be our drug deal, you know, we should be in on this, this is bullshit, blah, 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 whatever, and his command or whatever um, is something like, do what you're going to do or shut the fuck up. That's that's it, right? Yeah. So the, and, and that's what, kind of what happened. Wow. So it was a home invasion, essentially, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I have no doubt that they all knew each other, and it wasn't no, you know, a bad record deal or anything, but they're... There's a, probably a little bit of truth in all of those elements, you know, and you, and you get these always warped stories with a very unhappy ending, you know. I think it's all tied together, and I think it's a lot of drugs and a lot of personality, and it's it's a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. Well, you know, but um, 
how well do you think he knew um, Polanski? Um, I that I don't know. I I didn't ask him that. That's a good. That would have been a good question. But he said he knew Sharon. Yeah. I asked him that directly. Yeah. And there, there's, I, I've heard of reports of, of her being out at the Spawn Ranch riding horses and stuff when they were out there, you know. Right. They used to do that to hustle and make a couple bucks. They would, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Did, did, was there ever a time he scared you? What, what's that? Was there ever a time ever? That, that you felt scared? Well, you got he's pushing 80 when I met him, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but, he, but, but he, he would, I say that because there's so many people, yeah. you know, because he has that image of, oh, if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. And he would say he would go outrageous on certain people on the media. and so. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, but he, he would say stuff like, I can have someone knock on your door in three days, you know. Yeah. So is that a threat or is that how cool I am? Like, I don't, yeah. you know. And and he said, he said, are you scared? Or, you know, and I said, well, no. And he said, well, you should be. Like, <laughs> Okay. So the, the the thing is the way you screen mail is like some and you you people would ask me how to write Charlie and how do I get him to say like write back and you know, you get a better response if you tell him about your cat than asking about the murders, you know. Right. That's kinda how he was. But if if you like he told me Marilyn Manson was trying to get old of him for the longest time and but he always wrote from a PO box like a box number instead of an actual personal address. Yeah. So he's like, who the fuck does this guy think? Like, who, who does he think he is? Like, you know, he's <laughs> so if he, he thinks you're hiding something on him, so you have to have your address on there, so he knows where you live. You know, that that kind of thing. But I, I don't. No, I, I. I've had some pretty good rants, and it's like he, you know, there's one where he, I don't know what he was upset about. Oh yeah, okay, I was. <laughs> I was supposed to go see him, and I, I'm in California, and I. I I call like he calls the night before, and and he just says it's, sometimes he's paranoid, or there that might not be the right word, but sometimes there's stuff going on with other inmates or in the visiting room, and he just can't go out or with other guards or whatever. He just doesn't want to leave his cell. It's just kind of that happens, right? So it was one of those times I was there, and and he he just didn't feel like he could come out to see me. And so when I got home, I told him, yeah, I was there, you know, it would have been good to see you, you know. And he's like, you're lucky I didn't see you. I would have jumped on your back and slit your throat. <laughs> and it's like, like way overreacting, you know. Yeah. And so then you find out that, oh, someone said something about, you know, whatever. It, it, it's always been easy to work out, you know. Yeah. Did he ever talk but, about the other girls in the family? Yeah, yeah. Um, he did. Like, I think because it lives in his head a lot, he, you know, I, I think it... it in a lot of ways, his life stops when the prison door closes. I think he's, you know, so he knows you're on the outside, and he remembers what that's like. So, but but his reference points are from the '60s, you know, oh, like yeah. like I, I'm just fascinated with LA history and stuff. And so when I I got, got to go to the Troubadour and the whiskey and all of that kind of stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you share those experiences, and he tell you about when he he went dancing once he was at the whiskey a go-go and he went on the dance floor by himself and and he cleared the floor and everyone was clapping and watching him dance you know he definitely has that that, that kind of a rhythm yeah um, I went up to the uh, you know where the redwoods are or whatever like I've always wanted to oh, do that yeah. so those just amazing trees and so he knows about Colonel Sherman the oldest tree that's there and that's his tree you know yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 yeah it, it's it's weird, like when you go in to see people like that, or anybody who's dealing with inmates, or has anyone they in a prison that they it, it 
you can, it's kind of weird because you go in and you you leave, but they're always there. You know that that's just always a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and always going to be. Well, yeah, you know. Um, I, I just wondering, did he did he feel betrayed by some of the girls that testified? Um, not real. It depends. Like even like his mother, depending on the day. Sometimes she's a saint, and sometimes you know yeah. she's the worst person on the, on the planet. So uh, he he he's careful when he talked about people to make sure that there was no nothing possessive about it, or there was no way. Like when we're writing a book, he'll say you should put this in a book, and then I'll say okay, I'll do that. Goes, well, I'm not telling you to do anything, you know, because like, yeah. he's that whole command thing, you know. Yeah. So they they would come up a little bit, but not. I didn't know enough about them really. Like yeah, you know, like I I know that through channel like you're not supposed they're not supposed to communicate because they shared a crime but i'm sure that happened there's outside people who would rewrite letters and send them in and you know so he he was on top of what everyone was doing for sure yeah yeah well we've had a few of the girls so i just uh Mm -hmm. wondering if he had any any mention so what do you think about his remains um do, do you actually i don't know um, do you have an opinion on who you would want to have him? Uh, I just wish that Freeman, like his grandson and, and channels, could get together and, and in private and figure that out because I think that they're both deserving, you know. And ultimately, I can't see the state of California saying, "Here's the bear," you know. They're 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 going to have to cremate him and pour his ashes someplace because that's just going to be a gong show with a burial or people be stealing the tombstone and. It'll be Ed Gein times thirty, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, uh, but you I don't know. think you're allowed to spread the ashes, are you anymore in California? I don't know. I, I didn't think you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I that that's kind of what I like. What I thought it was leading to would be uh, like a cremation of some kind. Yeah. Or but he like people think that the, uh, the prison has a way of. Um, doing a burial or disposing of a body or whatever. And people, like I've heard the other argument that Charlie never really had a will, or if he did have a will, it wasn't signed like by two people, two witnesses and all that kind of stuff because he wanted the, wanted the prison to do what they will, you know. Yeah. And, and he had a, another inmate told him that I was arrested once for impaired driving or something, and then when I get home, he called, and he's just happier than hell, like I finally spent a few days in jail. It never happened, but he just, he kind of connected with people that shared that experience, too. So there's a, you know, I, I think one of the weirder things is his reverence for, like, the uniform and his respect for authority in the military. It's, it's I, I never, I always thought he'd be like, you know, like a hip, big hippie or a punk rock where he'd, yeah, be out of society and just, you know, but he doesn't see it that way at all. Like he, you know, if you ever talk bad about a soldier or anything, he, he took that personal. Like he felt very strong about that. Wow, that's a surprise. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it comes down to it. Um, what was the uh, most important thing you learned from from your time with him? Um, I, I can't be starstruck anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like that. In the end, the, as time goes on, I have way more respect for the guy because I know 
Like he, he fills with the whole book. I went ahead and I, I had a contract and I had the machine behind me and, and that's a whole other thing. But I, I, I felt committed and he doesn't know why I did that. You know, and he, he, he kind of does his, his own thing and he, he's a, he's all about righteousness and respect and honor and, and those kind of values. And that's kind of what he took to his grave. You know, he wasn't going to snitch and he wasn't telling anything and, you know, it's, and just how unorthodox he does things. It's like, you know, if you did this, this, and that, like, things could be way better. Like, we were, we were having a talk about that. When the murders happened, all he had to do was say, oh, I can't believe they killed her and she was pregnant. A beautiful act, you know, what a waste of life or whatever. And, and he could have, you know, yeah. he could have played it that way. But he told me he didn't think that this was going to happen because he knows he wasn't there. Everyone knows that that's easy to prove. He didn't think he was going to be on, end up on death row, and he, if he would have, he would have seen a much different <laughs> Charles Manson for sure. Right. Well, but he was showboating. He, he's getting attention, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but if he, you know, let's say that's true, and he didn't know anything about the Manson sort of thing, mm-hmm. it was going to go down that way. Um, mm-hmm. Then how about the LaBianca, the ones that happened after? Because, because if he wasn't at the first one and didn't know it would go down that way. Once it mm-hmm. did go down, then he must have known that it's possible to happen again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It actually goes it, it goes beyond that. It goes before that's the Bobby Boussole, um murder. I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly what happened there, but right. he he was kind of like um, the uh, kind of the most attractive male in the group, and and the one who the girls fawned over. And so there's a theory that. In trying to get him out of jail, they wanted to stage like the Sharon Tate thing, and I, I think there's an element of that to that. I think it was a drug deal, but the the writing on blood in the walls and stuff was a co- it's like a copycat murder, right? Yeah. So there, there's that, and I think the daughter of the Labiancas was involved with them directly. Yeah. But that that's the thing, like like um, like the one thing Charlie told me that Angela Lansbury signed her daughter over to him when he was like she's like 14 or 15 or something like that yeah and the dad just sounds like completely crazy and then you do a little bit of research it's like that really happened yeah, you know yeah <laughs> and and like like one of the weirder stories he told me so they they go and rob angela's house because that's what they did right they they're creepy crawling yeah. and, and uh they stole all of her fur coats and he had this old dune buggy and he glued these furs onto this thing and somehow he found some old horns you know yeah. and <laughs> he's driving around in this beast and he's, so he's telling me the story he's just laughing his ass off you know yeah. but that's you know the, the, back then I, you got to keep things in context too it was a totally different time I think police worked differently courts did you know everything was a completely different world and I think the one thing he told me like when they were at the ranch it was like like they they were eating all the garbage cans and stuff, but they 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 were they're robbing like A-list celebrities, right? That's what they were doing. And so he had this place where they would bring him stuff because he liked art. So they'd bring him all these like carvings and paintings and like millions. Of, so he's like, "What happened to all of that stuff?" You know, yeah. when they raided everything, it just kind of disappeared. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I never heard about that anywhere before he told me that, but it's, that's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt it found its way somewhere, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, so um, so now, how how's the book coming along? How's that go- going for you now? So um, there's a curse that goes with the whole Manson thing, right? 
um, and that might sound kind of crazy, but you're dealing with a very dark energy, and I don't, I don't know what it is, and it's kind of untamable. It, it, it does what it's going to do, and nothing makes any sense. And like I've had um, three people approach me about movie options, and they all dropped out. I signed with the worst publisher, my book agent, the worst book deal he's ever signed in like 25 years or something like that. I never got paid a cent for the book. Like to my knowledge, it sold over 80,000 copies or something like that. And it, it's like, so just through a weird coincidence and timing and stuff, I, I another author who was with the same publishing company got her rights back and she emailed me her lawyer's information. And so I, I took that up and I got, I have the rights back to Oh, good. My book, I'm in a position to do something with it, so um, I'm going to rework it and and do something with that, and, and just kind of for closure. And I think um, right now, like with him passing, and that I I, I think it, I want to let some time pass, and I want to be completely opportunistic, you know. But I do want to have his voice, and there's a lot, of, you know. It's a, it, I think I had a different relationship with the guy, and I think it's a different a different account, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I kind of knew who he really was, you know. Yeah, well, you mm-hmm. had a lot of time, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What, what do you think about that? The, the girl was going to marry him. Like, what, what was that all about? Star- Apton. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I know, like Star and Gray. Yeah, she. Um, that I can't really talk about all of that. Oh, but okay. that's you know. But but she's she's kind of a, away from everything now, and and she's doing fine. She's. It, it, it's a lot of pressure, and I, I think um, I think she feels pretty exploited by the media too. I think like when you do an interview or whatever, there was a show that just aired on the History Channel that I participated in because I wanted to use my audio. And, and uh, there's a three-hour I did like at least a three-hour interview explaining everything that we've kind of went into, but more in depth. And, and they use like maybe 45 seconds of me, you know, because <laughs> like when you yeah. when you're at all sympathetic or you have a different take on things, you know. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it, she's 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 doing fine. I don't know. I haven't talked to her since he passed, but I think, you know. I just wonder. They were, they were definitely close, for sure. Yeah, I was just wondering how that happens. Not even a, as a judgment. I'm just saying that how, yeah. how it happens is in you decide that you're going to... Uh, interact with someone that's fine but then how you want to marry them i mean i just i just but but a lot of a lot of this stuff is a media slant like i think oh yeah yeah honest like this is yeah off the record as we're doing a show <laughs> but, but i i think i think he was worried about this happening i think he was worried about dying and not having his affairs in order and, and having a next of kin or being married or whatever i think it was more like that than anything right. i think he wanted um I think he wanted that, but he didn't trust anybody enough to kind of fill out a, you know, an official will, as it were. But I, I and and the the media just it, it's. I used to get calls by the guy who works with Matthew Roberts, the the guy who thinks he's Charlie's son, and and this guy was a, um, he worked for Jerry Springer at one time, so he he his claim to fame was he discovered Octomom. So he'd call and say, what do you got for me? You know, and i tell him, I can't tell you. Like, like he's hilarious. Like, he'd, be hoot, he'd be a great guest, but he's like, yeah. like just, he's like, I got I got four strippers right now that are, are going to say that Justin Bieber's the dad, you know, fuck you. Like, he's doing great work, you know, and that's awesome. <laughs> you know, but destroying lives and, you know. Yeah. So you, you, you see that side, you, then, 
that that's what I got from Charlie. He is what he is. He's pretty transparent, actually, considering everything. But you deal with these schmoozers. Like, the whole Hollywood thing is this seedy as hell. Like, I, I don't... The ethic and just the morals of, of some of these people, like, it, it's 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 unbelievable, you know? I've... I've you know? Yeah. And... and so he would laugh at that and say, "Oh, see, now you see a little bit of what I have to deal with." Well, I, I can't even imagine, you know. Yeah, yeah. So pretty endless. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so, do you think the history show was okay, or did you did you bother? No, it? it was stupid. They they, yeah. they they told me it was going to be like you know, and and I I agreed. I gave them like like thirty hours of audio or whatever I had, and and I let them choose whatever they wanted to use. Because the deal was they're going to be fair, and this was my way of giving him his, his you know, his voice, really. Yeah. And we talked about that, and they're going to talk to me about what stuff meant and who meant, and, you know, and I knew Michael Channels was involved, and, and so I thought, that's awesome. Finally, they got some real people, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then it just turned into, like, trying to solve these unsolved murders, which really had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. That happened eight months after Charlie was already in jail, yeah. <laughs> you know. But he commanded people, and it, it just gets kind of... So technically, he's responsible for every murder in, in Los Angeles for, you know, from 65 to 70. Yeah, yeah, that's kind yeah. of anything. Any, you can tie him to anything, and then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just crazy. But, you know, but if people are really interested in all of that kind of stuff, I, I would recommend Nicholas Schreck's work. Like, the guy... It's obsessively researched, and just even YouTube an interview. If you guys could get him as a guest, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, like he really goes into everything, like all, and and it's 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 yeah, it's unbelievably. Mm. I think his book's like over a thousand pages or something. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's quite the undertaking. Yeah, that sounds good. But did you ever? What did you, did you ever read the um, Bugliosi? book and did you did you actually well, read it? Well, I asked Charlie about that and he said it was about 60% true. So, I don't, you know. Yeah. But I, I never I never actually read it. I don't, like I tried to read it, but I think I was just too young to understand it and, uh, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not something. Uh, yeah, and so now, um, what, what, the, the, with me it happened so quick and I had the book written in about four months kind of thing. Once I had a deal, it was like, you know, and I didn't want to read anybody else's work because then it would come through in what you're doing or taint things a little bit or whatever, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And then, then when you're a part of it, it's like, you know, like he he calls one day and he's like, "You up on the wrestling?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, you know, I know wrestling." He was, was who's this CM Punk think he is? And I'm like, "Well, I don't know." Like, he's a red, he's like a champion wrestler, and you know, yeah. <laughs> and so he thought because his initials are CM, that means Charles Manson, oh, and yeah. and and punk is the most derogatory thing that you can call somebody in prison. Yeah. Like it's pretty much if I call you a punk, we're we're gonna fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, in 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 Canada, the equivalent is Lugan, which apparently means waterhead. <laughs> so <laughs> those are there are certain words or that where you got to just you know. Yeah. That's have, it. You got to fight. And been. then. I, I, was, I was talking to him on the phone once, and South Park was on TV, and he's the character on South Park. So I'm trying to explain this to him that you're in a cartoon right now. Yeah, it didn't go very well because I know what I was talking about, but but that that's kind of how it is. It's kind of everywhere, you know. And so you, it's, it, it, and things kind of die down, and then something stupid will happen, you know. And it's it's like when I. Like basically, the prison really monitors what they—they they must hire somebody to what's going on with these inmates, and they're—they're they're on top of things. And 
the cover of my book was the first photo that the public would have seen in like three or four years or something. Yeah. Because he hadn't had a mugshot for several years. They just kind of overlooked that. He's a PHU. He's kind of doing his thing or whatever. Yeah. And so they literally wake him up at like eight in the morning, throw him against a wall, and take a picture of him, release it worldwide. This is new mugshot of Charles Manson like three days before my book comes out. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, holy shit, like these people are, you know, someone's paying attention because... Yeah. You know that, and that was kind of going to be our thing. That that's what the publicist wanted to run with his new photos and whatever. You know, yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, wow. <laughs> well, this has been amazing. It's been we've got uh, an hour in already. Uh, we could probably talk forever, Marlon. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, let me know uh, when you get it. You know, because I want to make sure that the book comes out. You get money, so. Yeah. So right right now I have a, a Facebook page. It's Charles Manson now, and you can download the book for free. Just go steal it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there's an audio book, book, but I can't figure out how to put it up. That they actually, I had no idea until Stan Levay told me that there's an audio book out. I, they didn't even tell me like. Um, so someone did an audio book and had like an Irish guy reading like Charlie's parts. <laughs> it's, oh. it's pretty cool, actually. But yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, I, I'm going to put this on the website and I'll let people know and to download it. And when you do actually put the book out, or if you do something, anything, let let me know. Let us know, and I'll make sure that it's marketed on our website. That would be great. And maybe like there's maybe we can have another talk someday. That'd be awesome. Oh, anytime. Yeah, this is a uh, great. Uh, this is very, man. It's there's there's so much we could talk about. So, well, again, thank you very much, Marlon. And yeah. it's been yeah, it's thanks, Al. Pleasure having take, you take on care. The show. Okay, bye now. Bye. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. <laughs> The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. 
houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.